This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, in a Jewish home, the mother is highly revered. That's an understatement. She rules the home. It's not uncommon in a Jewish home to find an overbearing mother on her son. It's not uncommon to, 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 to find a Jewish mother who exercises, uh, I don't know what, control or overbearing by making her son feel guilty. Jewish mothers should get a degree in making their sons feel guilty. They're very good at it. You know, like the story of the Jewish mother who gave her son two shirts, and the next day he puts on, a shirt, puts on one shirt, and the Jewish mother says to her son, what's the matter, you don't like the other shirt I bought for you? <laughs> okay, this is not uncommon for a Jewish mother to be overbearing. So when this woman yells out in the crowd about the uterus and breasts of the Lord's mother and how blessed they were, that was all designed to bring them down. So the Lord is being told that his mother is standing on the outside of the crowd wanting to speak with him and that he was expected to stop speaking to the crowd and go speak with his mother. Yeah, that's, that's really what, what, uh, what verse 46 is sort of implying here. Behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. And in verse 47, someone says, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with you. So the way that verse 46 and 47 is presented makes us suspect that this person who announced that the Lord's mother and brother were outside the crowd wanting to speak to him, he's drawing us to conclude that this person is calling out the crowd and he's calling out to, hey, everybody, focus a little bit. Turn your attention over to who are these people the mother and brothers of the Lord. And the reason that the person was doing that, again, very subtle, because, because, um, because, because we know that how the Lord's family was viewed in Israel from Matthew chapter 13, Matthew 13, verse 54. 1354, it says, when he was come into his own country, 
He taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence does this man have all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and his own house. So the Lord was despised because of the lowliness of his family. We can feel that when these questions here in Matthew 13, 55, Matthew 13, 55, when they say, is not this the carpenter's son? It's not his mother called Mary, his brothers, and so forth. With those words, the carpenter's son, the Messiah, that can't be. His mother, Mary, she's practically a washwoman. We see her in the marketplace. She's a lowly person. Her son, the Messiah, I don't think so. Brothers, those clowns, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, they're Messiah stock. Never. His sisters, we know them. They're the sisters of the Messiah. Oh, please. But keep in mind that the people now, they were leaning toward the Lord being the Messiah because we saw that in verse 23. In verse 23 where it says, all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? So apart from accusing the Lord of being possessed with the devil and working in partnership with Satan, what would the Pharisees do next? They'd put the spotlight on his lowly family and argue that with a family like that, He can't be the Messiah. Now, there's something, when this happens in verse 48, in verse 48, there's something very beautiful about the Lord. In verse 48, when it says, but he answered and said unto him that told him. Just that one phrase. You know, the Lord is in the middle of a very important topic. He's preaching. He's focused. People are all there around him. And this announcement that his mother and his brothers were were outside wanting to speak to him, it was a big interruption. It was an interruption. You ever been interrupted? I mean, you know. You're right in the middle of making some point and something, and then someone interrupts you, the phone rings or whatever. You know how easy it is. It would have been for the Lord to just ignore that man and go on. You know, the man who makes the announcement about the mother and brothers being outside wanting to talk with him. You know how easy it would have been for the Lord to say, look, I'm in the middle of making an important point right now, so please tell him to wait. I don't want to deal with that problem right now. Take a message, you know. But that's not what he did, and that's beautiful. That's not what he did because he allowed himself to be interrupted. And it just shows with the Lord this gracious flexibility. And that's an example for us. Because you and I will never be effective servants of others unless we're willing to be interrupted. Unless we're willing to be flexible. Unless we're willing to have our plans be changed. We can't be so rigid in life as to say, I have my plans and that's what I'm going to do. So now in a very Jewish style, the Lord says, So, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? By the way, it's interesting here, the Lord says nothing about his father. One reason is because his stepfather Joseph wasn't there. Another reason is because he really didn't have an earthly father. Another reason is that because it's believed that Joseph may have died by the time the Lord was crucified, who knows when. It may have been that he died already. But at any rate, 
conspicuous by his absence or mention, uh, the Lord says nothing about his, his stepfather, Joseph. So now, with a, a dramatic, dramatic stretch, it says in verse 49, he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, behold, my mother and my brethren. So the Lord is calling his disciples, his brothers and his mother. And when the Lord did that, the Lord was saying, when he's saying, these are my brothers, he's saying that I'm not just a regular brother. I'm a special brother, a special brother who's faithful, more faithful than a normal brother, because the Lord is saying that in addition to being a brother to his disciples, he's a friend. He's a friend, not just a regular friend, a special friend, a Proverbs 18.24 friend brother. Proverbs 18.24, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Closer than a brother, just as the hymn puts it. Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. My friend, no other friend could love me so. He's my friend. Now, the Lord said about his disciples, Behold my mother. He, said, he called his disciples, behold his mother. I mean, that, that is really a rebuke against Mary. And Mary was not unfamiliar with these corrections from the Lord. Like when the Lord said to her in John 2, 4, John 2, 4, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Or in another instance, when the Lord Jesus had to rebuke and correct his mother Mary, and he told her in Luke 2.48, Luke 2.48, when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought for thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist you not that I must be about my father's business? They understood not the saying which he spake to them. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them, but... His mother kept all these things, sayings in her heart. So when it says that, that his mother Mary kept all these sayings in her heart, that shows that Mary was teachable and willing to be corrected by her son, who was also her Lord. And uh, not above us, but on the same level as us, we have this in common with Mary. We have this in common, both Mary and us, we're familiar with being told we're wrong and to be corrected by the Lord. Both Mary and us, we're familiar with being sinners and coming to the Lord Jesus as Savior, as Mary said in Luke 1.47, Luke 1.47, when she said, my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. And we have something else in common with Mary. Mary delivered the Lord to the world and when we present the gospel, we deliver the Lord to the world. But there, when we come to the subject of Mary, there's two overboard views, two overboard views about Mary. One is to go overboard and to say that Mary was sinless, she was the mother of God, she's the person you need to pray to. That's wrong, that's overboard. And the other is to go the Protestant way, Protestants are always protesting, is to go overboard and to say Mary's nothing, she should be ignored, that's wrong also. Because the Bible says in Luke 1.28, Luke 1.28, the angel came in unto Mary and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. But when the record says in verse 46, verse 46, behold his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him, he has set up now 
a contrast between his mother and his brothers who are outside of this group and his disciples that are around him. And he said that in contrast to his physical mother and brothers, that his disciples were more his mother and his brothers. And so he's got this contrast and he said, so we look at that, we say, what was the difference apart from blood? What was the difference between, there between his physical mother and brothers and the people around him? Well, the first difference that's called out for us is in their positions, where his mother and his brothers were compared to where the people were. See, in verse 46, this is where these two words are so important, in verse 46 and 47. Behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, stood without. So his mothers and brothers are standing outside the crowd and they should not have been standing without, they should have been standing within. They should have been as close as they could have gotten to the Lord. Now there's one difference. And the other difference is not only where his mother's brothers were compared to his disciples, but it's what his mother's brothers desired to do compared to what the disciples desired to do. See, in verse 46, it says, he talked to the people. In verse 46, it says, but in verse 46, it says, his mother and his brothers desired to speak with him. See? So the difference is that the people were wanting to hear him, and his mother and his brothers wanted him to hear them. And he said that his real mothers and brothers were the people who wanted to hear him and not the ones who wanted him to hear them. See? So his mother and his brothers were desiring to speak to him and they should have been like the crowd desiring to hear him. And sometimes that's true of us. Sometimes that's true of us, that we are desiring to speak to him when we should be desiring to hear from him. We should be desiring to hear him instead of desiring to speak to him. And the problem with his mothers and his brothers was that not only were they wanting to speak to him, they were willing to see him be interrupted in order to speak to him. They were preventing others from hearing him by their interruption. As a matter of fact, when he contrasted his mother and his brethren trying to interrupt him with the people trying to hear him, he said that his, his mother and his brethren are those who wanted to do the will of God. And so what he was saying there is that to interrupt him from speaking to the people was not the will of God. So, you know, you start to see all these dynamics of the family and you, you really come to the conclusion, boy, familiarity really is breeding contempt here. And sometimes the nearer a person is to the church, the farther they are from God. And we understand why Mary was, was trying to protect her son, I and mean, that's a mother. And she's, you know, she's trying to protect Jesus from these murderous Pharisees, but she was wrong to try to stop him. She was wrong again. So much for Pope Pius's degree of 1854 in the immaculate conception of Mary, practically making her a goddess. But the Lord loved Mary. He loved Mary, his mother. He cared for her. And we see that when he's on the cross, he's dying, and he says in John 19, 26, John 19, 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, 
He saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. He took care of her. And when the call came to him from that man, in verse 47, verse 47, and the man said, Behold thy mother and thy brother stand without desiring to speak with thee. You can hear in that man's voice an expectation that his own flesh and blood, you know, his mother and his brothers, had a certain priority, had a certain privilege with him that others who were not his relatives did not have. And so when the Lord responds as he did to this man, he shatters that concept, just pulverizes it. The idea that blood relationship gives any kind of special privilege. This was the error in the thinking of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They thought that just because they were Jewish, that alone made them safe. I mean, I've heard rabbis tell me this. Hell, they tell me, that's a Gentile thing. That's not a Jewish thing. They made it up. That's what they say. And John the Baptist shattered that concept in Matthew 3, 7. Matthew 3, 7, when he said, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits unto repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. You can imagine that scene, that was something. Pharisees, Sadducees, marching with the crowd to be baptized by John the Baptist. All the while, they're saying within themselves, they don't know, it's not verbally, they're just saying within themselves, but John knows what they're saying inside. They're saying, we're okay, we're safe, we're blood-related to Abraham. We're part of Abraham's family. Abraham is our father. No need for us to worry about being right with God. All God has to do is just check the genealogy records. You see our names on there, we're safe. With that attitude, we can just picture the fiery John the Baptist pointing to stones on the ground and say, children of Abraham? You're saying that you're special because you're children of Abraham? You see these stones? You think they're special? God's able to make those stones be children of Abraham. So now he explains to his disciples why his, uh, well, he disclaims to everybody, why his disciples are, are his mother and his brothers when he says in the last verse, verse 50, verse 50, whosoever shall do the will of my father which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. He had sister now. So the Lord's disciples do not simply know what the father's will is, the Lord's disciples do not simply talk about what the Father's will is. The Lord's disciples do not simply hear what the Father's will is. The Lord's disciples do what the Father's is. That's what he says in verse 50. Whosoever shall do the will of my Father is in heaven. And when they do the Father's will, they become closer to him than his mother and his brothers. Sister. Now, he's also said this before in Matthew 7.21, Matthew 7.21, when he said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So what the Lord is saying there in Matthew 21, Matthew 7.21, Matthew 7.21 passage, is that those that enter heaven do not simply hear 
what the Father's will is. Those that enter heaven do not simply know what the Father's will is. Those that enter heaven do not simply talk about what the Father's will is. Those that enter heaven do what the Father's will is. And all of, this, all of this is really to say, as he's talking now, because he's talking to this group now, and then he was talking in another group, probably the same people, we don't know, Sermon on the Mount, now he's in Capernaum. All this is to say that with any group that's listening, any group that's listening to Lord Jesus or that's listening to it in a church or listening to teaching or listening to preaching on the radio, the TV, in any of these places, there are four groups of people listening. There is the group that's interested in hearing. They're interested in hearing. They find God's truth very interesting. And they're carefully listening to not miss anything. And then there's the group that listens because they want to know. They want to know. They realize there's so much that they don't know about the Bible, about God's truth. They want to understand what God's truth is. And then there's the group that listens because they want to talk about God's truth. They enjoy a good discussion with others about, about the Bible. They're interested in talking, especially they, they like talking about difficult portions in the Bible, and they want to hear what others think. You know, These are the people who come to you with some controversial topic in the Bible, and they ask you, what do you think? What do you think about this? And then there is the group that listens because they want to do what God wants them to do. That's the group that's on the hunt when they listen. They're on the hunt for how they can change their lives to please God. When they listen, they're searching for a sin for them to confess and forsake. They're searching for a command for them to obey. They're searching for a promise that they can claim. They're searching for an example that they can follow. They're searching for an attribute of God so that they can worship. You know, these are the people who are the sin forsakers. They are the commandment obeyers. They are the promise claimers. They are the example followers. And they are the God worshipers. And that's what they're doing. They're doing the will of, of the Father. That's what he said. They see knowledge as useless unless knowledge leads to a response in the life. And that just as it is today. So it was in that crowd, gathered around their Lord Jesus, there are four types of people. The hearers only, they stop with hearing. The learners only, they stop with learning. The talkers only, they stop with talkers. And the doers who hear so that they can do and learn so that they can do and talk so that they can do. And this is where the Lord, this is where when the Lord stretched out his hand, where he stretched it is so important. Verse 49 doesn't say the Lord stretched forth his hand in some kind of a sweeping mode like that over the whole crowd. The Lord, his disciples are over here. The Lord was very careful when it says he stretched forth his hand on his disciples, toward his disciples. Verse 49, he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, behold, my mother, my brethren. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the clarity that our Lord Jesus spoke with. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be doers of your word, not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.